Good day, friends. It's September 30th, and we are closing off the month by taking in new territory on our one-year Bible reading tour. My name is David McAdam, and I'm happy to serve as your tour guide and hopefully be a helper of your joy and progress in the faith as you press on in a daily regimen of ingesting God's Word. We're starting from the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament passage today, which anticipates a glorious future in which the people of God are restored to their true function in Christ. In the New Testament, we will be continuing with Paul's prison letter addressing the church at Philippi, where Christ followers will be encouraged to enter into their privileges of corporately sharing the heart and mind of Christ. So let's get started by reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, and we'll start with verse 1. And I am reading from the English Standard Version, which gives this chapter the heading, The Future Glory of Israel. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around, and see, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant, your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord." All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaioth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. Who are these that fly like a cloud, and like doves to their windows? For the coastlands shall hope for me, the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them. For the name of the Lord your God, and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. Foreigners shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Your gates shall be open continually, day and night they shall not be shut, that people may bring to you the wealth of the nations, with their kings led in procession. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish." Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine, to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you, and all who despised you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated, with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. You shall suck the milk of nations, you shall nurse at the breast of kings, and you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold, and instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. 
Violence shall no more be heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord, in its time I will hasten it. Chapter 61 The Year of the Lord's Favor The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks, foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Chapter 62 Zion's Coming Salvation For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called My delight is in her, and your land married. 
for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament passage from the prophet Isaiah. Now let's take a few moments to reflect upon what we've just read. Isaiah chapter 60 begins with a revived nation hearing the word of the Lord. Arise, shine, for thy light has come. There is now a receptivity to the word. The entrance of his word gives light and it gives understanding to those who make room for it. Psalm 119 verse 130. These three chapters, Isaiah 60 through 62, constitute one movement. They express the ecstatic joy that comes with the certainty that God's purposes to establish peace have been accomplished through the Prince of Peace. Prophetically, it speaks of the veil that has been over the minds of Israel as having been lifted, and now she is reflecting His light as a witness to the nations. They were once living in the darkness of their duplicity. The prophet in the previous movement had cried aloud, enumerating her sins. She pretended to be pious, humble, and holy, but there was an absence of compassion and justice. They failed to reflect His glory. But now, by the grace of God, and according to His covenant promise, Israel has been restored to her original purpose to shine forth His light to the nations. The picture we have here is that Jerusalem will be as she has never yet been. The Lord will establish her in righteousness and cause her to radiate His glory. She will be the center of the world's light. The world is in deep darkness in Isaiah chapter 60 verse 2. But through the redeeming grace of the servant, the light of the world has come. The day of the Lord begins with great darkness, but soon the dawn comes. When the Son of Righteousness arises with healing in His wings, Israel will look upon the one she has pierced, repent, believe, and be saved. Israel will see His glory and be converted. This will inspire all nations to marvel and come to Jerusalem to pay tribute, bringing their wealth into the city. People of all ages will come, gladly and not grudgingly, proclaiming the praise of the Lord. In verses 3-6, through six, Where there was darkness, there will be light. Where people were disenfranchised and scattered, they will be healed and gathered. This is not a utopian dream. This is a divine promise. There will be no anti-Semitism there. The sons of those who afflicted you will come bowing to you, and all those who despised you will bow themselves at the soles of your feet, and they will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 14 The city's glory will be glorified all the more. Peace will be her governor, righteousness her ruler. Her walls will be called salvation, and her gates praise. Isaiah 60, verse 17. Israel's long checkered history and its years of sorrow will come to an end. Your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and the days of your mourning will be over. Isaiah 60, verse 20. The words of Isaiah chapter 61 will sound familiar. We hear them on the lips of our Savior as He launches His public ministry when it is His turn to read from the scroll of Isaiah at the synagogue in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4, verses 16-21. through 21. The scroll was handed to Him. He read Isaiah's prophecy and ended His public reading in the middle of verse 2. 
and then he expounded the text by announcing his messiahship, saying, Today, in your hearing, this scripture is fulfilled. Luke chapter 4, verse 21. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. Jesus stopped with these words, the favorable or acceptable year of the Lord. He did not read further because at that time he was not appointed to preach the day of the Lord's vengeance. He will proclaim the day of vengeance when he returns to earth as this world's judge. There will be mourning then, but after repentance and faith there will be a complete restoration. Jerusalem will be a glorious city set upon a hill subject to the reign of the Prince of Peace, the King of Righteousness. Today we are still in the acceptable year, the year of gospel jubilee. God's plan of salvation through faith in Jesus, that is Yeshua, liberates the captives who were in bondage to sin and death. This is the day when we are called to make the gospel appeal to receive the good news of His saving grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 And working together with Him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For He says, At the acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Those who repent of their sins and believe on Him shall be given the royal beauty treatment as the city of Jerusalem one day will receive. To grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3 and then in verse 10 we read, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul will exult in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. In the kingdom age, God will make good on His promise to make Israel a royal priesthood, a people blessed of the Lord. They will receive a land inheritance of a double portion, treated according to the promise given to the firstborn. Through Israel, righteousness and praise will spring up before the nations. Isaiah 61, verse 11. In Isaiah chapter 62, the theme continues as the Anointed One of chapter 61 pledges to see God's choice purposes for Jerusalem come to pass. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet until her righteousness goes forth like brightness and her salvation like a torch that is burning. Isaiah 62, verse 1. The Lord promises to give Israel a new name. In verse 2, she will no longer be called forsaken and her land desolate. Instead, she will be called, my delight is in her, Hephzibah, and her land married, Beulah. The Lord promises to rejoice over her as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. In chapter 62, verse 5. Now let's move on to today's portion from the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Philippians. And we'll pick up where we left off yesterday, Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 27, and we will read through to chapter 2, verse 18. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, 
so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Chapter 2. Christ's Example of Humility So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. And this concludes our reading from today's New Testament portion from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Now let's take a few moments to recap. Paul writes the Philippians from his apartment in Rome where he is held in chains while waiting for his trial. He had planted the Philippian church on his second missionary journey in about 50 A.D. We read about this in Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 40. Paul has great affection for the believers in this church. We see this in chapter 1, which consists of three major sections. In chapter 1, he thanks God for the fellowship of the gospel in verses 3 through 11, the furtherance of the gospel in verses 12 through 26, and then today's reading starts with his exhortation for them to contend for the faith of the gospel in verses 27 through 30. He's encouraging them to be bold, to stand firm in one spirit, and contend as one man for the faith of the gospel in chapter 1, verse 27. Paul says that Christians are called not only to believe on Christ, but to suffer for Christ. 
Paul hopes that they will take courage from his example and to realize that suffering the consequences for believing in Christ is to be expected in a world system that is opposed to him, in verse 29 through 30. How can they stand firm and contend as one man for the gospel? They can only do this through fellowship with the Holy Spirit who gives us Christ's mind of humility. He asks a rhetorical question. If they have experienced anything of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit so far in their faith, should they not be acquainted with the nature of Christ? Should they not be filled with His selfless concern for others? Should they not have the same mind and the same love that was in Christ Jesus? Paul then gives a description of Jesus' self-emptying example of obedience to God the Father by quoting what might have been a hymn of the early church. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5-11 through 11. This hymn affirms Jesus' pre-existence with God as God, It affirms his equality with God as God. It affirms that as God he became man in order to fulfill God's plan of salvation without ever being anything less than God. He temporarily laid aside his divine rights in order to willingly fulfill the Father's plan to be our substitute. He died on the cross to take the penalty of our sins so we could be justly forgiven and not have to face eternal death. God raised him from the dead for our justification and brought him to his original position, but now as our representative. There he reigns forever as the one who has been appointed as Lord and Judge of all. In light of this, believers are to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. This means we are to act on the basis of what we know. It is like working out a math problem. The facts are given. Now calculate how it is to impact your daily life. C.T. Studd came up with this equation. If Jesus Christ be God, then no sacrifice is too great for me to make for Him. The good news is that the grace of God that provided our pardon for sin also gives us the power to overcome sin by saying no to ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Titus chapter 2 verse 12. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. This means that we must get rid of complaining and worldly trains of thought, so that instead we would shine as lights holding forth the word of life. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 16. And now we move to our next stop on our Bible reading tour, to the book of Psalms. This is the final psalm of book 2 of Psalms. And reading Psalm 72 will be Peter Healy. Psalm 72 Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. 
May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish, and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him, and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually, and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave, may its fruit be like Lebanon, and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever, his fame continues as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him, all nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Thank you, Peter. This is a prayer for the royal son. He will do God's work as his appointed king who will judge and rule all people in righteousness. This is a picture of the Messiah, the son of David, Jesus Christ. He brings salvation, justice, deliverance, prosperity, and his righteous rule extending from sea to sea. He will subdue all his enemies and let all kings bow down before him. All nations serve him. Psalm 72 verse 11. His compassionate reign is described in verses 12 through 14. He is a specialist. He only does wondrous things. He alone works wonders. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone works wonders, and blessed be his glorious name forever, and may the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Psalm 72, verses 18 and 19. And now for our final stop on our Bible reading tour today, we go to the Bible's treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, and we will be reading Proverbs 24, verses 11 and 12. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? 
This proverb makes us think twice about how we view the atrocities of this world, the plight of the unborn facing extermination through abortion, lives being taken by drug abuse and addictions, and the slaughter of genocide. The Lord sees through our excuses we cannot plead ignorance and remain indifferent in the face of such evils that are being made known to us. Let's pray together. O Lord, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all eternity. Our world was plunged into darkness through sin, yet you sent forth your light and your truth in the person of your Son. He who is the light of the world has enlightened our heart's understanding. He has shown us our need for his saving grace. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for demonstrating the mind of humility in your obedience to your substitutionary death on the cross. May we honor your victorious name by continuing in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and expressing the same mind, the same love that you demonstrated, standing firm in the faith of the gospel. And we ask this in your name. Amen. We certainly have been reading some glorious passages today, and God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow as we continue our Bible reading tour. If you have any questions or comments, you can always write us at podcast at newlife.org. If you'd like to subscribe to a daily email with a written copy of each day's commentary on the Bible reading, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. And you can also subscribe to this podcast wherever you do get your podcasts. So until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may you know his presence and fullness of joy. Shalom. Shalom.